0: podcast is not affiliated with nor does it speak on behalf of any company, organization, or firm. This is based on the personal experiences and opinions of individual professionals and students. Welcome to our podcast, Coding Corporate America. I
1: am Erica. And I am Sashala. This is season two episode FinTech. Today we are welcoming our friend and today's guest, McEvans Francois. We've known McEvins over the years through the work we're all passionate about, diversity and inclusion. We've learned so much from each other and have executed such amazing and successful events over the years. I mean, just countless. <laughs> but d is pretty much something that McEvins does on the side, as well as incorporate it into his day to day. But his full time role is in the financial technology industry. We thought it was important to spotlight this heavy hitter so that he can give our audience members some insight into that industry and provide tips to the younger generation who are seeking opportunities to get into that industry. And with that, McEvans, please introduce yourself.
2: So, Shal and Erica, thank you for that wonderful introduction. It is a pleasure to be on Decoding Corporate America. So once again, thank you. Uh, As you mentioned, my name is McEvins Francois, and I work in fintech. I am a prod graduate of Brooklyn College, so a Brooklyn and CUNY product. Very happy to be representing home base. And uh, nice. today, it's going to be a pleasure to speak to you guys about my current career, how I got there, and uh, also future aspirations within this particular space.
1: Awesome! Great introduction, McEvans. So, McEvans, we're throwing around that acronym fintech. Silicon Valley. What what does this mean? And also what do you do within that industry? And then a follow-up to that is why do you love what you do?
2: I think those are all great questions, especially with the first one that you started off with, which is what is fintech? I was involved in the world of fintech before it actually had that buzz term or before it was actually popular. So fintech is the marriage between financial data or data in itself with workflow tools. So think software, uh, think, um, you know, market data components, mm-hmm. meets like all the financial data. So the particular tools and uh, solutions that bankers or anybody involved on the corporate side at corporate issuers utilize to get their day to day jobs done. Mm-hmm. And for me, particularly to bring it back home, I think. Um, you know, it, it makes sense to share a little bit about um, what my current role is today. Yes, which I head up the, <laughs> I head up the uh, brokerage research sales and trading business over at IHS Market. So as a whole, it's a financial data and information company. But my particular area is more of what you would call fintech, and I've been involved with that space for the past eleven years, and I think okay. a total of thirteen years in the financial space altogether.
1: That is a lengthy career. So you've obviously been there for quite some time. So why do you love what you do?
2: That's also a great question. And uh, something I have thought about a lot recently as I've actually just changed roles and recently took over heading up the big group that I joined 11 years ago.
1: Congratulations. First of all, I (laughs) know you're just just trying to like skate around that, but congratulations on that. That's a big deal.
2: Yeah, I greatly appreciate that, especially coming from the both of you, who I respect (laughs) a whole lot. Um, Thank you. You know, I mean, just to get back into why I love what I do. I think when I think about that and reflected, like, you know, what has kept me here, what has kept me engaged and um, why I love the space and want to continue to evolve in it. I think there are a number of reasons why. Um, Starting with number one, I love tech, right? Mm -hmm. We're doing a podcast all from remote locations today. I was just texting with my cousin in Haiti on, on WhatsApp and shared a link to a movie. And during the pandemic, my parents themselves, they attended church service and engaged with my aunt who's in France via YouTube. So that's the power of technology and tech. Mm -hmm. And I mean, to to close that off, my three-year-old son can navigate all the smart tools, laptops, and more in the home through technology. So technology itself, I think is very interesting, captivating, you know, it's the way of the future. I think I've kind of summarized that in a couple of different ways, but that, that gets me excited. Right. Uh,
1: right now, what about the financial aspect and that data that you mentioned before? Right,
2: exactly. And I think, um, that leads into like, let's say my second reason for really loving the space, Mm -hmm. you know, I love the world of commerce. I'm active in the market itself and Mm -hmm. appreciate how the market, itself makes the world go round, despite whatever the industry is or the sector uh, or, or what's happening geopolitically, uh, globally, I think, you know, uh, finance itself in terms of how specific companies are doing there, or what the gross domestic product is and what that influences our day-to-day, our 401ks or, uh, you know, um, different different things that are being um, broadcast that are highlighted in our news on a regular basis. Mm-hmm. I feel like it's it's part of our day-to-day beat. Next, also mention that I think another thing that really ties me to this particular space is the relevancy of it all. Now, we deal with current events and uh, interesting events on a regular basis. My sell side research clients write and publish pieces. About the topics across all industries, whether it's online gaming or what's happening in retail. Think about you know a lot of the brick and mortar stores mm-hmm. closing down. What's happening online, and also healthcare's the se- this a full sector of healthcare's view on the pandemic, the vaccines. You know, um, having local es- experts actually speak to that. So being able to read through that, having exchanges and conversations with people that provide mm-hmm. that level of expertise that still have to use our specific data and tools to get their jobs done and get their information out to the rest of the market in the world uh, on a regular basis, that that excites me. And uh, I'd say lastly, um, I'm big on liking to solve problems, right? I like connecting with people and solving problems. So being client-facing and being able to create and enhance the tools that solve the problems and provide efficiency to some of the top broker-dealers and asset managers gives me fulfillment. So I love the strategy involved in problem solving for the capital markets.
1: Wow. So you know what? Your last point there actually segues into my next question, which is, you know, the fact that you love solving problems. What are the challenges that excite you about this role? And what are some of those problems that you are solving?
2: Uh, That's a great, great question. And when I think about that, I think about the career I had even before getting into finance Mm -hmm. where I was in hospitality. And bartending, and would watch, you know, the head managers or general managers kind of like uh, promote being in every single role around the kitchen and around the whole restaurant itself before you can get to the top. Um, so when I think about what gets me excited about the challenges and problem solving, you know, having been in many of the seats and the roles that are in my program, I have an appreciation for the struggles that each role faces. So at my core, I'm an idea person. I'm a relationship management guy. And when I first started, I'm sure that, you know, I would have uttered phrases that started with, um, can't we just or I'm sure it's easy to and it must be a bug. Right. (laughs) And and those those right there, those are fighting words for people in product (laughs) and development. (laughs) So having (laughs) having an idea. Uh, For a solution, or relaying a client's feedback in a way that assumes the level of effort, or being, or trying to diagnose a tech problem is completely out of bounds. That's the point where it's flag on the play. So I say, you know, I say, I say all that to say, you know, as head of the program now, I get to work with a team of brilliant stars across groups that help me solve the puzzle. And when I say solve the puzzle, um, you know, we come to the puzzle table understanding that we have a finite set of resources. We have to be on one accord after solving internal negotiations on on a strategic approach. That's a nice way <laughs> yes. to say arguing back and <laughs> forth with different roles and different ideas. And, um, you know, I set a strategy and we have to remain nimble while being able to deal with a transformative market. So the balancing act mm-hmm. of all of that and being able to do that with a great team is exciting at the end of the day because it feels like a well-fought battle nice. when we succeed at the end. I love
0: it. I love it. Thank you for really kind of giving us that uh, window into what your world looks like. It's fascinating. My pleasure. So as we transition to the next topic, right? Now, what are some tips that you have for students who are interested in securing an internship in FinTech or Silicon Valley?
2: Interesting. And I like that question. You know, Mm -hmm. firstly, I want to clarify that Although Silicon Valley Mm -hmm. is tech and, you know, the venture hub, a lot of people think about, you know, Mm -hmm. uh, private capital, you know, fintech exists around the country and around the whole world for that matter. Like you have tons of fintech companies that are in New York and Raleigh's Research Triangle. So there are many other locations, as well as uh, Boston and others, where fintech companies reside. So when you think just tech, you know, many people think Silicon Valley. So just want to differentiate that Good fintech you know, spread exactly. all out throughout, all throughout the world. Um, and then taking it back to uh, the tips, it's, it's a great question and one that I speak to a lot of mentees about. You know, I would advise them to get involved in financial, tech-related, and or mm-hmm. coding projects and competitions. Now, I I say that because although employers aren't expecting to see like much job history on your resumes, competitions and projects related to the field that you're trying to get a job Mm -hmm. in allow you to stand out. You know, it's an early way to actually create a sort of have your entrant in that space and show that you indicated some level of interest. You went out your way, did something extracurricular to Mm -hmm. get involved, to tap into that world. And along those same lines, I would advise students to get familiar with the skills, qualifications, and descriptions of the role. This is great intel on what to seek Mm -hmm. certifications on, whether online or classes you're taking at school. Uh, I think you have a leg up on your competition. If you've uh, gone out your way and you got certified or you did some extra hours towards you long-term becoming an expert and having some points of expertise to be able to speak to an interviewer about, about that particular area.
0: I really like that uh, advice. Any, any particular coding projects or certifications you would recommend for someone who's interested in, yeah. in what you're doing?
2: Yeah. I think that there are a lot of folks that try to break into fintech. And if they're on the technology side, understanding mm-hmm. what the modern language or tech stack is, That's in demand at the time is key. So you can never go wrong with Python. There Mm -hmm. are a number of others. But, you know, as you do your research and you're taking a look at classes that are offered along those lines, uh, I think that allows a lot of people within the tech space to advance advance their careers in that particular area, and speaking with developers, it's something that they flag they've paid attention to because it's it's not skills that everybody walks in with, but I'm finding out more and more that you have a lot of interns or uh, students that currently are in er, that are in college that are taking those classes and they're getting more and more familiar with it and that and that allows you to stand
0: out That's awesome. All right. So tell us what, what's in the secret sauce, though, right? What what can they do uh, to actually, you know, secure an internship? And on the flip side of that, what happens, What what suggestions would you give if they're rejected as well?
2: Great points, great questions, because I think, you know, in conversations like this, you know, if you were to ask uh, different people the same set of questions, whether they're in my field or not, you're going to get a whole different set of answers. I-, I think I take it back by looking into my own career, right? If I look in the rearview mirror and look back at what helped me be successful throughout my career, I think you know that involves outworking the competition. So becoming an SME, for those that don't know what that acronym stands for, you're going to get very familiar with it, but it's the subject matter expert. So on anything and everything that you're tasked with, that allows you to be the go-to person The reliable and trusted colleague that is sought after, whether it be from different groups or let's say your particular manager or particular peers, because they know you'll get the job done. Yeah, I entered a very niche uh, business and had known really nothing about um, Mm -hmm. my space until I got hired there. But you know, best best believe I put in the hours, weekends, uh, study time, connected with the right individuals internally that I was able to build relationships with, so that I can become excellent at my craft. And you know, like they say, you know, there's no shortcut to that. You just have to put in the time. And I mean, along those same lines, in addition to that, I would mm-hmm. highlight networking. Everyone may have similar skills in that skill section on your resume <laughs> where mm-hmm. you think you're putting in something that's like groundbreaking, like it's the same mm-hmm. generic canned answers. But, you know, um, so you know uh, that that area in itself is is not something that sets you apart. But you know, I think you should understand how to market you. Right. There's only one you, so you should meet people around your organization and build bonds. So, some of your contacts, maybe people that can. Not only support you, but also provide input, knowledge, and also be a soundboard for you throughout your career. I think it was key for me earlier on to, you know, have lunches, coffee check-ins with some senior people, some folks that I had a interest with that uh, had did something completely different from me. As I mentioned, all the different roles that's under the uh, fintech umbrella, where you have uh, people that are in product development, you have some that are client facing, like myself. It it makes sense for you to spend time to understand everyone's world. You know, invest in. Emotional piggy bank, have others invest in you. So uh, at the end of the day, you'll find that some of these same people that you've built a network with within your industry and within your firm champion you internally and help you get opportunities that you didn't even know were available.
0: I love that response. Wow. And you know what? This is such a constant theme that we're actually seeing from a lot of our guests, Shashala, don't you think, in terms of the networking bit? Yep. It's so essential. Mm -hmm. And 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 I'm sure there's actually some somewhat of a story behind um, how you went from. I believe you had mentioned that you graduated with a psychology degree and you ended up in Fintech. That's right. So I mean that just shows you know what you've just a- explained there in terms of like really focused on fo- focusing on your craft on what you were were seeking after and just understanding what you needed to do to align yourself to others who were you know essentially in the place that you wanted to get to. And I'm sure networking was a huge part of that as well as, you know, working at, at your craft. So that's amazing.
2: Yeah. More than you know, it's a very good point to highlight because something I've shared before in the past was um, mm-hmm. around the time when I graduated, you know, a little after 07, we understand what was happening in the world, right? I thought I was going to connect with contacts and, and uh, people in my network that were around banking. And at that point, you, you know, we're entering a recession. So some of the folks that I knew They didn't know if they were going to have a job themselves. Wow. So uh, at this part, I'm building within bartending. I'm meeting people. I'm networking behind the bar. Uh, So it was um, while I was doing that, Mm -hmm. you know, I was a little crazy back then working 16 hour days. I uh, kicked off a career in financial planning and investment management. And um, one of my earlier clients that also used to come from the bar, the gentleman was at um, one of the big banks at the time, told me he was transitioning to a firm that I was at previous to IHS Market and said, you know, just based on people skills and the way that I've worked with him, it would be good to to seek out the relationship management role that they just opened up in New York. So it was through networking itself wow. from very unfamiliar background that allowed me to make that transition. So I'm glad you, you harped on that.
1: That's amazing. That's amazing.
0: Now, um, you know, on the point of what, what can students do um, if they're rejected for an internship? You have any advice? Mm
2: -hmm. Yeah, it's, it's interesting (laughs) how you asked that question. Uh, I still like the question because it's, it's an opportunity to reframe the mindset of young students that are applying. Cause I think the, the word decline there is pretty heavy and I'll explain why, you know, I once spoke to a recruiter. At a firm similar to mine, that shared that she had nearly 10,000 applications for under 70 roles. Wow! In one city. <laughs> so when you <laughs> think about those those numbers and those odds, you know I don't share those stats to be discouraging, but rather realistic about how competitive the market is. So before anything, I'd suggest creating a list of your top choice summer internship employers, as you did for your top choice mm-hmm. schools you know it's familiar territory so hedging your ch- your chance by expanding your pool of chances would be wise uh, would be a wise approach to the process mm-hmm. i would also mm-hmm. encourage the use of linkedin your network and uh, family network may include a connection or someone connected to a connection that is employed by one of your wish list firms prior to applying It would be wise to get an intro or connect with that person. A quick coffee or lunch connect is usually welcomed by many professionals if you're connected uh, to their network in one way or another, whether it be familial or uh, some other connection. As long as you approach it uh, transparently for an Mm -hmm. informational check-in, you know, I would encourage uh, for that to be done. Those conversations may lead you to gain a reference on your behalf or actually being able to get great feedback on how to prepare and position yourself for success in your process. But I mean, to to also answer the question and round that out, if you are in fact declined by many of your choices, I think it's a time to retool and remain focused on your goal. You know, there's not only one game in town. I think retooling may include uh, interview and resume prep and also, rev- you know, uh, internally over at the school that you're attending because many schools offer that, you know, or uh, an expert that's within your network. Reach out to an uncle or cousin or someone that you've been connected with that would be nice enough to introduce you to someone that would allow you to have some prep time. I think, you know, the company that declines you like I mentioned, it, you know, is not the one sole company. I'd say keep adding to your skills and seek out other opportunities with comparable companies in your area of interest. So don't give up.
0: I, I love, love that. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Absolutely. Wow. Okay. So we are now at time for me to get into Erica's recap corner and Man, I mean, I really love this advice here. So I'm going to try to do my best to do a recap of what you've just shared here. Amazing stuff. I love that you shared that fintech exists around the country and the world. So there's many other locations outside of Silicon Valley where that exists. I mean, look, you are located right here in uh, New York. And and I'm sure there's many other locations where other fintech uh, companies are basically reside. Now, Getting involved in coding projects or competitions. I love that you have mentioned that. Make sure that you get familiar with programs such as Python. And then the point that you had raised in terms of get familiar with the skills and qualifications for the roles that you're interested in. Make sure that you seek certifications online or in person. We could definitely use that time. And I really hope some folks spent the time during last year, 2020 summertime to do that. I think I know that I've seen a couple people do that and utilize LinkedIn. Now, I also love that you shared becoming an SME, outperform the competition. I love that you had actually mentioned that I had to write that down myself. Be the go-to person who's being sought after. And a common theme that we're seeing is networking, listen, everyone that we are m- meeting with this particular season, uh, and Shashelle, I know that you chimed in on this, has heavily emphasized this. I love that you shared the example of how you actually transitioned into your current career based off of networking. So this is what's going to set you apart from A resume out of a thousand. Be focused on who you're aligning with and how they're going to help get you to the next level and make sure that you have others invest in you. Now, in terms of the rejection bit, I really liked the unique perspective that you had provided in terms of Taking this time to retool and giving yourself a chance to prepare for the next. Again, a common thing that we're seeing from a lot of our guests, and I'm glad that you mentioned this as well, is to make sure that you're getting feedback. Even if you're rejected, getting that feedback will allow you to be able to prepare for the next. And then Okay. LinkedIn needs to give us something. Shashala, we need to reach out to them on this. Okay. The LinkedIn connections are key and critical. Take the time to actually search through that. Be intentional. Spend the time to actually find people to do a coffee connect. Now that we're actually getting into a phase of meeting people, or even if it's virtual, do that as well. But making sure that you're also hedging your pool of your network and also Mm -hmm. the firms that you're interested in is what's key. So hopefully I did you justice. You shared so much. I love those tools, that
1: those those tips that you actually shared. So right. that's the end of Erica's Recap Corner. That was amazing. As always, you nailed it, Erica. McEvins, thank you so much for taking the time to speak with us today and helping us decode the fintech industry. We are now wrapping this up. McEvins, where can folks contact you?
2: Sure. I'd be more than open to actually receiving contact on LinkedIn, uh, McEvins Francois, M-C-E-V-A-N-S, F-R-A-N-C-O-I-S. Uh, just feel free to reach out, drop a note, uh, be pretty open, and I'll be more than willing to respond to your inquiry.
1: All right. Awesome. So thank you all for tuning in. And if you have any questions that you want us to decode, send us a DM on social media or email us at america at gmail.com remember to subscribe, like, and rate our podcast. Your feedback is important as we aim to be the best corporate podcast out. Stay tuned.
0: Stay tuned. Thank you.